1: This is November sixth, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to another edition of the Bruins Beat. Here on CLNS Media, I'm your host Jimmy Murphy, and I'm joined this week. And I, you know what? It's a, it's a late birthday gift. As we record this, it's November fifth. My birthday was Sunday. An old man now, but uh we'll, we'll talk about that another time but uh this is a good late birthday gift i get to talk to my my dear old friend and colleague rob simpson and of course you know him as the host of selic and simmer on SiriusXM nhl network radio and he's also the author of no heavy lifting which uh he is going on a insane promotion of that book right now and he's gonna tell us about that simmer how you doing
0: Pretty good. What do you mean by old? What do you, What makes you old? Why? What are you old now? How old? Happy birthday. Years old, Simmer. I, I am Glenn Murray years old. You're 5C4. Far, far. You're c far. far. has <laughs> <laughs> got Bobby Orton Very nice. age twice,
1: though. That's always good. That's a good thing.
2: Congratulations. Yeah.
0: So there we go, my friend. And what, are you still, what, you're 26? Yeah, I, I'm uh, 39. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I look a, don't look a day over 50. <laughs> I <laughs> hey listen
1: so um I know the book came out no heavy lifting uh, a few months back but uh you're going yep. in a full gear promotion for the holidays and uh I'm hearing that you're taking a rather interesting road trip
0: uh to promote your book. Yeah, well, you know the book came out in the spring but it wasn't really hockey season. The playoffs started, you know, people kind of get busy and they don't want to hear about books. So I kind of took the summer off and this is this is the actual kind of release publicity, DLE, for the, for the fall. Although the main focus of this trip is just for, I, I came up with it just to do it because it was kind of there. It's like the Mount Everest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just love the game and the experience and all that. So it's kind of a multi-pronged thing. I'm, I'm doing 20 of the morning shows, um, Stella and Simmer, which will be interesting, especially the 4 a.m. starts out on the West Coast. <laughs> and I'm probably doing about 10 or 12 book signings. So, yes, I am promoting the book. But mostly it's just to do it. And uh, so it's kind of a promotional tour for Stella Consumer, a promotional tour for no heavy lifting, and just uh, a hell of a lot of fun.
1: Now, okay. so, I mean, you've been to pretty—you've been to every arena, right? It's...
0: I have been to every arena. I haven't been to Pittsburgh's new arena. I haven't been there since it was the igloo. I oh. have not been to Edmonton's Edmonton's new arena, and I have never been to Vegas. So right. technically, I have not been to one venue. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: there's there's three there that will be new for you, and that's always interesting. You, you, yeah. you know what? You've seen every arena. Now, what of the old arenas like? I'm talking, you know, the Boston Garden, you know, Maple Leaf Gardens, um, you know, the, the Joe. I know you've been to, obviously, growing up in Michigan. Uh, Chicago Stadium. Did you make it to any of those other than uh, the Joe?
0: Uh, well, I, I was even at the Olympia before the Joe. So I I got a chance to see the original six building of the Olympia, which was fantastic. Um, I did go go to Chicago Stadium one time um, in 1988, and uh, similar to the Olympia, very noisy, band box. And it just happened to be, it was random, it happened to be Tony Esposito and Glenn Hall night that night. Um, I believe it was like October of... Of uh, Yeah, I think it would have been October, October, November of 88. And a friend of ours, Bob Nagley, whose father ended up buying or owning, starting the Minnesota Wild, he got a standing room only for Glenn Hall, Tony Esposito night at the Chicago Stadium. I never made it to Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, I've never made it to the Forum. I did, I've did. i obviously been in Madison Square Garden, and I was in the Boston Garden once. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All fantastic buildings. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand the modern amenities and the spoiled fans and all the money, 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 but there's nothing better than watching a game in those old rinks.
1: Nah, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. I miss it a lot. And Out of the new arenas, I, I don't know if you'd agree with me, and maybe I'm wrong. I have a 15 United center, so you, that might be where you say, well, it's wait, giant. It's better. But out of the new ones, why do you think the noise is that get used to in the old arenas? Would you say Chicago or Montreal? What are you saying, noise? Yeah, like, you know, you've been to Bell Center, you've been, you've been to United Center, which one yeah. is the loudest and which one feels more on top of you, uh, like those old Bell ones? Center.
0: The Bell, Bell Center. Center. Bell, yeah. Bell Center is a rock concert. Bell Center is the best. Like, in terms of all the modern buildings now, I mean, I did a lot of, I did TV when it was Bruins, Habs, playoff games, and it was indescribable. Indescribable? Undescribable? Anyway, it was, it's, the Bell Center is the best. Um tough to describe the atmosphere i was in the united center i haven't been there really since um i covered their final in 2010 but i only covered the games in philly and um i haven't been in that building since they stunk and it's a horribly large place when there's not a lot of people in there
2: um
0: it's too big but um yeah it's phenomenal when it's full i just haven't been there when it's been when it's been full which i think i will do here shortly
1: yeah for sure well that should be a great trip well listen the, the team that you used to, as you mentioned there, you used to work with and of course, and uh, were around the Bruins for many years, uh, all the way up through their Stanley Cup. and um, You know, you, you've you definitely kept in touch with people in the organization. I know you keep tabs on them, Simran. Again, one of the – no, I'd say the biggest hot-button issue in this young season so far for the Bruins uh, is the goaltending, and specifically uh, Tuka Rask, who just seems to be – the Rodney Dangerfield, in my opinion, of uh, Boston. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was that David Price had come in and kind of taken that title away from him, but David Price kind of earns it a little more in terms of his attitude, if you ask me. But uh, right now, it's too garrasque. And, I mean, if this guy doesn't deliver a title soon in this spoiled title town that we are here, uh, you know, they might just chase him out of town or give him to a team for a bucket of sticks because... Uh, they just seem to want him out. They don't think he can win the big one here. What, what's your take on that whole
0: situation with Tuka Rask in the in the Boston media and fans here? Uh, first of all, just to clarify one thing, so nobody gets upset. I did cover the final full time back and forth, and uh, was around the team in ten and eleven in Prague before the season started and during the final after. But I didn't work for the Bruins at Messin anymore. I was gone by then. It was Malco. Um, uh, yeah, he he seems to be kind of a lightning rod for uh, for dislike and, and criticism, um, maybe because of the inconsistency that he's shown. I mean, he did take him to the final. Timmy, was, Timmy Thomas was gone. He took him to the final in 2013. There was the bizarre finish to game six. Um, they haven't been back to the promised land, if you will, since. Um, I think he's capable of uh, great things. Uh, part of it might just be the grind, the 82 games, and in his case, what does that mean, 50-something? Um, because uh, he has these streaks where he's just unbelievably focused, and he's, he's unbelievably good, and then he, and then he drops off. The thing is now they have a legitimate backup, if you want to refer to him as that, because right now he's been playing so well, he has the best goals against and save percentage maybe in the league in, in Yaroslav Halak, who stole a series from Montreal back in 2010 against the Washington Capitals. So he's another guy who's very capable, and he's another guy who's very streaky yep. in a different way sort of. So I think they're in good shape. Uh, I mean, between the two of those guys, they should be in good shape.
1: Well, you, you know, I had a chance to talk to Tuca, and you know, we'll get to some of the topics right after. But this was this was from last week, and I, I had you listen to it before, and we'll we'll play it again for our listeners here. But you know, I got him after practice. He was really good, and you know, was very open as always, and uh, just talked about his slow starts and, and what's now becoming a traditionally slow October for him. Uh, but there was some interesting stuff in there when, when he started to talk about what we just mentioned there, the whole tandem he's got going with Yarrow Lak. So we'll give a listen here, uh, and we'll come back with our takeoff. Last couple of October's kind of been slow out of the game you. I mean, did you that to anything, or just, just kind of a question? Right? I don't know. If I, if I knew, uh probably wouldn't happen. Really right? it's I mean, question. No, yeah,
3: right? I, it's, I, I, I just go. <laughs> For yourself during the summer, like, you're going to yeah. come out hard, and, you know, sometimes you do. I, I just saw the stats, so I think, three or four years ago, I had a great October. Yeah, four know, and Then, the past couple of ones were, haven't been that good, but maybe the next one is good, I don't know. But it's nothing
1: like you're doing differently coming in than you had before. No, maybe I should. <laughs> but then, on the flip side, what is it you think that makes you pick up in November? Because your November
3: stats are unreal. From what I've seen. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, I think... Once you are you know, you not satisfied with your performers I guess you, know, you don't like you don't you get lot. that consistency you would like I guess you just kind of you know, check yourself and, and try to get better and that's it uh, you know, I'm sure it's everything, everything together you know, like team's getting better you're getting better everything's kind of falling in place so that's probably where it is but I don't know, you know, hopefully this November is better. Well, you have uh,
1: Halas play well out of the game himself kind of like, like Anton last year how much does that sort of motivate you to get going I mean just
3: push you think, I think competition is good in general in, in every position I mean, goal is no no different from that and that's definitely you know nobody's going to take their position for granted and and, and I think uh, it's great you know then it just pushes you to play better and, and earn your spot so that's that's what I've always thought and you know I think it's just a luxury to have them team, kind of like 1A and 1B and, and both boys kind of pulling the load and then I um, don't you know what's going to happen in the playoffs. Hopefully, both can contribute there and, and make it a long run.
1: So, some interesting stuff there, some generic stuff, the typical stuff you'd expect. But one thing that really caught my attention there, Simmer, uh, was him, and I didn't even really prompt him on it, but him voluntarily saying that he envisions that tandem, that 1A and 1B, to potentially go through the playoffs. Not not in the regular season, up until the playoffs, but he, he said through the playoffs. That really caught me there. I mean, what, what's your take on um, the supposed incumbent starter now envisioning a back and forth in, in a tandem with uh, Yaro Locke, even in the playoffs potential?
0: Yeah, I mean, and what's really uh, – the other thing odd about it is he just got done talking about how he likes the competitive element or – you know, he, t- he spoke on the competitive element, whether it's goaltending or any position on the team. Right. So, in that regard, um, I, I, you know, I don't know if you'd take it a step further where you'd be sharing it necessarily in the postseason. And I don't, I don't think he means well. If one of us drops the ball, there's the other guy to pick it up. And I don't necessarily know if he means like switching off. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a little. It, it almost sounded that way, but it, which doesn't work anywhere ever.
2: Uh, you're going to ride the
0: hot hand. Yeah. But we but, but we have seen one goalie struggle and another guy pick it up and win. I mean, we've seen it in Pittsburgh uh, when Matt Murray took over. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking, you know, they had three different goalies in the postseason, I think their first cup year. I think Jari got a game.
2: Yeah, you were. Right.
0: Uh, and then Murray. Last year, Philip Grubauer, Holtby was struggling so much at the end of the season. Grubauer finished out the season hot, started the playoffs, melted down. Bultby comes back and they win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So in that regard, yes, I, he he's maybe referring to the fact that 1A and 1B, you need to have both guys available. I would find it hard to believe he actually thinks that, you know, it would be like, hey, who do you want to – let's let's alternate or something. I just – it's not going to happen.
1: That doesn't seem competitive to me. Like he's almost conceding, you know. Right.
0: But and you don't I, want to hear that.
1: And I don't want to hear that.
0: I don't, that's I don't think that's an event. I don't think that was what he's going to. Be. He's going to compete. Believe me, he's going to compete for the starting job in the postseason, and a lot of it will depend on who's. Who will just be circumstantial? Who's the hot guy in March? Who's the hot guy when April starts? Right, and then they'll have to make a decision. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, before I spoke
1: to him that day, you know, Cassidy did his post-practice presser, and this was this was prior to Yarrow's start in uh, Nashville, where he played splendidly. I think mean, he had like thirty-two saves, thirty-two saves, but. You know, they lost one nothing, but, you know, I asked Cassidy uh, about this and then also about the split there. He says, well, it is kind of like last year. And, but then he realizes, like, yeah, but he's playing more in a row here. And, and, and like, he's very much acknowledging it, the man between the pipes right now, and he hasn't been afraid to say that to the media. And yep. I wonder just, you know, if this, if this continues this way and he struggles in November, which he hasn't done, does Ras start to get frustrated and, and let that get to him? Because he, he does sometimes become sensitive with what's said around him, but he's done a good job recently, I think, in the last year at least, of
0: just kind of putting himself in that shell and not listening to the outside noise. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't get inside his head and tell you how he's going to react, but, I, but he has traditionally. I mean, he's not the only slow starter in the world. Yeah, uh, And that that relates to goaltenders and skaters. So, I mean, that's just a phenomenon that seems to apply to certain guys. Um, I mean, his Novembers have been very good, as you guys referenced. So I yeah. think now it's just a matter of waiting to see what happens over the next three, four weeks. The bottom line ultimately, Murph, is this, these two guys are healthy come the end of the season. And uh, they've both shown signs of being themselves for stretches. Yep, the Burns will be in pretty good shape. I mean, he brought that up too. He's like, ultimately, it comes down to where we are and who we are in the postseason.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's true. It's a good way to look at it. I just wonder. I mean, the the, the media here is gonna, and and, and maybe I'm even doing it, talking about it right now. But you know, they're always gonna stir up controversy, and they're always gonna look at maybe the potential negative as the potential positive, which you know makes sense in what's Tuka, in what Tuka's saying and what you just said there. But um, you know, I. I've talked to people over the last year or two, and, you know, I always wondered, you know, if they ever looked at other options? I mean, obviously, they had Martin Jones for about seven minutes, I think, in 2015.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, the San Jose trade. Yeah,
1: yeah, but, it, like, and I, I poke around and I, and I'll tell you, I've heard his name out there, and I kind of stopped poking around after last year's playoffs, because I actually thought Rask answered some questions. I know they didn't make it to the conference final, but by no means was it his fault that they lost to Tampa Bay, and they just lost to a better team,
0: and that's all that was, just like the other night when they lost to Nashville. It's just a better team. Yeah. But well, the, we're, we're, we're in, hearing contract. You know, the contract time is is – we're getting close to the end. Right. So that, that's that's a Seven million after this year. And so I was talking
1: to somebody recently, and I hadn't really – Investigated this in a while. The call was made to me and said, "Look, you might want to look into this. Uh, you know, I'm hearing that they did try to move him twice this past season. They they really had some serious conversations. I'm not saying that they necessarily were going to do it, but they had some deals that made sense. What I wasn't able to get, and what I asked Tucker about actually, or, or, or before this." Is you know what he weighs, and he doesn't want to talk about that, and I understand that. Um, yep. But he does hold a no movement clause currently, where he can make a list of eight teams he can go to, or starting next year and then the final year it becomes fifteen teams. So right. that combined with the money he's making, and then the fact I was looking at it recently, simmer uh, that there's going to be a good six starting goaltenders, arguably on the free agent market next July 1st, unless they get extended by their current clubs, uh, or maybe they're traded and then extended before then. But potentially six stars out there, you know, obviously Bobrovsky is going to be out there, Balomov, uh, uh, Mike Smith. All those things combined just tell me they're stuck with him. And, you know, this contract's going to ride out basically and then in, in, in three years, and then they can figure out what they do from there. But that being said, it's like at what point does the media around here and a lot of these fans that really don't seem to like Tuka, they got to realize that and say, you know what, maybe maybe you just support the guy because we're stuck with each other. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard sports fans. The model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. Instead, read and subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. Coverage will go beyond game recaps and trade speculation to provide smarter analysis In a deeper perspective about teams and the league. Subscribers have access to local and national content with more than 650 to 700 news stories published every week all across sports. Now, you heard the local there. The Athletic, of course, are in Boston. And The Athletic Boston is fastly becoming one of the best sports sites for Boston sports fans around. I'm telling you guys, this is some insightful reading, like it says. They get behind the story. They make you glued to it, and they really reel you in and want to make you finish what are really good, long, insightful, in-depth stories that you're not going to get anywhere else. They're right. You don't get that anywhere else right now, and that's one thing I hate about sports media. It is what it is, but everything is so short and instant gratification, and when do we lose the time to kick back and read a wonderful sports story? I don't know, but you should make it. For the Athletic Boston and their Bruins coverage with Fluto Schinzauer and Joe McDonald. I worked with Joey Mack back in ESPN Boston back in the day, and him and I, great team, and I learned a lot from him. He's one of the best in the biz, and, of course, so is Fluto. And I'm telling you guys, they're well worth the read, and you need to go right now to athleticcom slash Again, theathletic.com slash Bruins and sign up right now with promo code BRUINSBEAT, and you'll get it for two ninety nine a month. That's forty percent off. Two ninety nine a month. So go right now. to dot com slash Use the promo code Beat when signing up, and you get it two ninety nine a month and forty percent off. You can't beat that deal.
0: <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I. That's why I brought up nearing the end because the closer you get to the end, especially the goaltender, like yeah. If they were trying to move them, it's because they were trying to dump the seven mil,
2: right? Oh. But
0: if the closer you get towards the end, it becomes a little more tenable for another team if they're in a desperate situation and they and they need a viable goaltender in a particular situation. Maybe they're a contender, maybe they're close to being a contender or oh, they're in a spot where they have they have an injured goaltender or something like that, and that, that contract's not going to be hanging around much longer.
1: But I mean, it's so that's almost that's the big What's question, that? right? He kind of holds the cards, though. Like, Dave, like David Price says now, he holds the cards because he's got this no-movement clause.
0: You know? And what, yeah. Well, just I mean, if Philadelphia, like, if, take Philadelphia, for example, or, or, or take Florida once Luongo gets hurt again or, or just can't play anymore, it, you know, and that's going to happen sooner than later. There, I mean, you could go through a list of teams that if if the cards fall a certain way, they're going to be looking for someone like a Tukorask who only has maybe a year left on his contract or a year and a half left on his contract, right? And he can slide into a position like that and finish it out and then maybe resign there or resign somewhere else and become that guy. But I think there's, there would be a demand for him once that, once this term starts to wind, once it starts to wind down. I mean, it might even be, depending on how the Bruins season goes, well, I, I can't see it happening this year. Now that you have this one, two punch,
2: um,
0: they're gonna they're gonna go with it. They're gonna try to yeah. win with these two guys. Why wouldn't they? I mean, he stinks. You know, ahead. no one's gonna want them anyway. So yeah. yeah, you're right. They're gonna have to ride it out this year, but I think they want to ride it out this year.
1: I'm with you on that, and I'm
0: also with you that I do think as you get closer to the end of that contract,
1: and you know, you, you bring up Philly. Well, of course, they'll be in that mix because they always need a goalie. But
0: uh, well, Carter Hart's not gonna be. Carter Hart's gonna be ready. That's the thing about Phillies. Maybe a bad example right? now because they yeah. probably have their goalie.
1: Yeah, you're right. So that could be solved yeah. really finally and Philly fans to rejoice. But, uh, you know, you look at the situation with Tuca, though. He's told me a million times. He's said it to the rest of the media a million times. And I know talking to mutual friends that we have, he's very happy here. He's got children here. Yeah. They're two and they're four. You know, it would surprise – and this is just completely, again, this is me speculating. I don't have any proof of this. But I, it wouldn't have surprised me if I did find out that he said no to one of those potential deals. And that's why it didn't happen. And I just don't know if that changes in those next three years. You know, what would make him change his mind when he's got, he's getting his money no matter what, he's happy here, he's got a house, his kids are growing up here. When it comes down to it, it's going to be Tuka's call. And that's the only thing when I say, like it seems like they're stuck with each other.
0: Yeah. Well, they'd they'd be nuts to think about it the rest of the season. You're you're just, it's going to be one or the other. And I, and I, Halak got hot, and I have Tukarask as a backup. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you know
1: uh, what? That's you, know, a, you brought it up, and nobody else
0: brings it up around here. Maybe
1: that's just because they, they they haven't watched him carefully and you know followed his career. But he is streaky. He, and yeah. he goes the other way; it's not too good either. Yeah.
0: But when he's hot, he's as good as anybody. Oh yeah. I mean, um, he to be a right now, Simmer. That's the way. Uh, I'm just wondering. I'm, I'm wondering. I'm just wondering if taking your Brad Marchand acting classes.
2: <laughs> not. i love Is that it that great or what i love it yeah he, just,
0: he has a, he just expresses his old school mentality in a new way yeah Like beating the beating the crap out of lars eller i had no problem with it whatsoever i would have done the same thing i'd have been like hey dude what are you doing and i you know it would have been overkill to have Zdeno Chara beat the crap out of lars Zeller. So a little guy beats the crap – I mean, that's perfect. Like, what else can you ask for? Instead of it being kind of an over-the-top, like, Goonie kind of, uh, you know, thing where a big guy beats up Lars Eller, it's freaking Brad Marchant beating him up. I mean, you can't yeah. ask for more. It's like, it was perfect, you know. Yeah. To, you know, uh, teach him a lesson, and and, and it's someone that's not going to, you know, well, other than he's he's a magnet for everything anyway. And then he goes out and has four assists the next night. Beautiful. Now this time, we talked about it a lot. We talked about it a lot lot on the Monday Monday morning show Uh um, about, hey, he has a great point here. Are are we turning him to soccer or what? Yeah. So I've seen three or four instances in the last two weeks of the exact same thing. A guy faking a stick to the head and throwing his head back. I, I would say, Three, maybe four times in the last two weeks. A couple did of them were blank. Did get the call? I mean, of course they got the call. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Because it's you—it's always in the corner, and it's impossible for a referee to see what really happened.
1: Yeah.
2: So
0: you make the rep. It pisses off the referees. Believe me, hockey ops hates it. refs hate it. Uh, so they're going to have to start treating this like they treat other types of dives, because that's yeah, ultimately but, what but, it Sorry was it so refreshing <laughs> to see do that. I loved it. If you... If you don't catch it on the ice, which I understand you can't, because it's very hard to make that call or you know fast heat of the action, it's difficult to see what's really happening. So if a guy sells it, you find the hell out of him after the fact. Yeah, that's the only yeah. way you're going to get rid of it
2: because there's yeah. no way
0: of spotting it necessarily as it happens. You're going to have to you're going to have to really nip this in the bud after the fact. And I, I'm talking like you suspend guys if yeah. it gets too stupid. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey,
1: how about
2: Marcian, eh?
0: I mean,
1: so you you knew this kid when he came in. You got to cover him a bit when he came in the league. And just how yeah. you know, he's become now. And, you know, I know he's not getting the goals right now. And, and Cassidy talked about this the other day as well. And he said, but hey, he's shown he's got some playmaking skills. And he knows that these other guys get the hot hand right now. And he's maybe hit a bit of a wall early on here. So he's like, why, why not try and feed them? Why not pass up on the shot maybe that I might always take? And then maybe by accident, I'll take that shot and it'll go in. So... He's kind of adapted to his game and also just the climate of the team. Like, I, I love the way he's playing
0: right now. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him. He's always he's always worked his butt off. Um, you know, he'll get through whatever scoring slumps he'll get through. In the meantime, he's still out there causing problems, being feisty, getting in trouble, and, and uh, making things happen. And, again, it's a long season, and uh, these guys have to pace themselves a little bit. But I think he's I, – I don't have any problems with him. I mean, he's a rat, but you love him on your team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's good stuff, brother. Listen, I'll let you go.
1: I know you're a busy man, and I I am as well. And uh, we are going to have to cross
0: paths on this tour. Uh, It starts in, believe it or not, starts in Dallas on the 16th of November against the Bruins. Huh. Um then I see the Bruins in Toronto, I believe, about two weeks later or ten days later, and then guess where it ends, Murph? Guess where it ends. Oh, right in the beaner, eh? Right in the beaner, hosting the Buffalo Sabres on December 16th, and we will be going out post-game, my friend.
1: Oh, I think so.
0: I think so. And you might
1: have <laughs> day as well, I'm guessing, after 31 straight days. so.
0: Yeah, we're gonna be. Uh, we'll have a good time that evening for game 31. That sounds great, my friend.
1: Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us, all right? Thanks, Murph. All right. That's Rob Simpson, host of Stellick and Simmer, the author of No Heavy Lifting. Get on that. Great holiday gift. Definitely pick it up, and maybe you'll see Simmer uh, along his tour here, whether it's in Boston or somewhere where the Bruins are playing. Thanks for listening to Bruins Beat on TLNS. Me and Jimmy Murphy. Talk to you next week.